heart of a man makes his plans, but the Lord establishes his steps. It says that in Proverbs. That we kind of come up with what we think and where we kind of want to go and kind of what we want to do. But God in his sovereignty, he orchestrates the corridors of our life that our life might be fulfilled by him and seized by him. Now, this is kind of interesting. That's if you belong to Jesus. If you don't belong to Jesus, good luck. But if you belong to Christ, you have a God who loves you and is guiding you. But I want you to hold on to this. I want you to listen to this. God is so loving and so good, even though you belong to him, he will allow you to waste your life. You can call them missed opportunities. You can call them disobedience. You can call it be overwhelmed with your uh, Richta, still a celebrate recovery line, your hurts, your habits, your hangups. You can allow that to overwhelm you, or you could say, I'm going to go on this adventure with God. David Livingston, the guy I quoted earlier, who said, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lady, burden on my back, only sustain me. Sever any tie but the tie that binds me to, him, to yourself. Did not become David Livingston outside of obedience to God. He didn't set off, set out to be famous. He set out to make Jesus famous. And some 150 or so years after his death, we're still quoting his life because his life was consumed by the one he chose to follow. Could that be said of us? That the call of God is so loud and so clear and the invitation to God to go on the adventure with him is so compelling that we're willing to set everything aside and say, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I kind of, I have a, I don't know if you watch Scott Tidwell as he sets up stuff for me and he walks off and he'll say this, let's do this. He'll say, let's do this. I will fist bump and say, give them heaven. <laughs> That's what we're about because we're on the adventure together for King Jesus. This Livingston quote, well, I first read this back in 1991. And stupid me, I began to pray this prayer. Little did I know that it would open up opportunities and adventures that I had no idea about. And here's the deal. This prayer, even though it's not found in Scripture, is fueled by Scripture and has been prayed, not in the totality of its quote, but in the essence of its quote by guys like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Isaiah. Do y'all know the prophet of Isaiah was so overwhelmed by the call of God in his life that God told him to be naked for three years? For three years. You look it up. Now, Isaiah was naked. I am glad he was not in my small group during the naked period. I mean, hey, Isaiah, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Glad you're glad to see you. Well, not see you. We, you know, I'm sure his wife was following around with britches for three years. Put these on, put these on, put these on. Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived, he was a prophet, lived in such a way that his life was consumed by the glory and the fame of God. God said to Ezekiel, your wife is going to die. And as a symbol of my mourning over Israel, you are not to cry over her or mourn over her or accept any condolence for people from about her. You are to bear this mourning to show my heart. What? How do you get there? 
But Ezekiel got there. I think Jesus comes along. He turns up the heat. Jesus, we have this kind of day kind of view of him. Like he's sweet and kind, and he is. He says, come unto me, you are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for my soul. So take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you, because you'll find me gentle in spirit. And he says, come and see. Come, come see. Come and see. But then he says, hey, come and follow. Get close. And then he'll say, hey, 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 come and serve. Because the son of man, that's Jesus. I didn't come to serve. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. So if you would be like Jesus, you've got to be a servant, not, a, like, not like a soaker. You're not a cedar tree in the, in the kingdom of God who soaks up all the water and kills the oaks, by the way. I learned that living here in the hill country. And then he says this, come and die. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to this kind of like cool invitation about come and see? See, Jesus turns up the heat of expectation. And he does it for us because he's uncommon. And he invites you into an uncommon adventure with him that starts defining you and refining you and challenging you and changing you. But will you accept it? Will you accept it? Will you become that person? Here in Acts chapter 13, we see a church that's willing to do whatever it takes and send who out the best and the brightest to do the mission of God and that's to proclaim the gospel to all the world. And this church is our church. This church that was about 70 AD, 60 Maybe, maybe 40 AD. This is our church. Same God, same principles, same disciple-making philosophy. This is our church. And to learn from it that there's among us, among us, some people like Saul and Barnabas who need to be sent out from us to do the great work all for the God, God's glory fueled by us. But all of us, are invited into the adventure with God, will we say yes? Will we say yes? Will we say, let's go. Let's give them heaven. Let's do this. All for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning, and I pray that you will speak through me, that this this uncommon adventure you call this church to will motivate this church, this extension of that church, to be the church that you use to be the people that you use, to be the person that you use. And Father, I pray the Livingston prayer that has challenged me for so long will challenge these as well. And we will walk out of this room not just full of pigs in the blanket and cookies and coffee, but we'll walk out of this room full of you, King Jesus, and we'll live all for you. And I thank you for what you're gonna say and do, and I pray this in your strong name, amen. I invite you to take out your study guide. You're going to jot down some notes today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Only 1 through 3 this morning. If you don't, don't worry. The passages will be on the screen. Let me read this for you and set up this talk. Because what I want to do is pull apart these passages and let you see this uncommon adventure. So let's look together. Among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch of Syria, and here's the list, were Barnabas, 
That's the same Barnabas found in Acts 5, the son of encouragement, Acts 4, Acts 5. That's, that's the same guy, the guy that, that teams up with Saul, and you'll see a second. Simon, uh, Simeon, excuse me, called the black man, uh, an African that was a part of the family of God. God's church has always been interracial. Always. Never segregated. Always combined. Because God is not colorblind. God is color love. He loves all colors. He loves all cultures. He loves all people. Y'all got that? Yeah, and so this is exciting to me. It's written there because Luke doesn't want to miss a detail. Lucas from Cyrene, Manon, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. What? King Herod Antipas, he's the guy that beheaded John the Baptist and his childhood friends, now a, a teaching pastor at the church of Antioch. What in the world is going on? Jesus Jesus could take a heathen and make him a preacher. Can't get a witness. He could do it. And Saul. Saul, the one who persecuted the church, the brilliant theologian, was a part of this church family and is now counted as one of the prophets and one of the teachers of the church of Antioch. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Wait, 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 wait. What was the call that God had called Saul to? He said, when Saul was converted, um, Ananias, who came and baptized him, and, and the Lord said to Saul, you're gonna be, my witness to the Gentiles. And so these guys knew that that call was on Saul and it was delayed. Sometimes, y'all, the call of God in your life is, is delayed. He moves in your heart and he calls you, but the time is not right for you to launch out of that call. It's delayed. It's not disobedience unless you are being willfully disobedient. You see, let me give you an example. The first time I felt a call to ministry, I was nine years old. Nine. You can't be a preacher at nine, can you? You all not to be. And then, but some people are, but I wasn't, not even close. And then God reminded me of that call. He really solidified that call through his word when I was 15. Still a bit young. He reminded me of that call when I was 21, about the right time. But I was doing music and I'd committed myself to be a pastor on a staff of a church leading the congregation in worship and singing. But God called me to preach when I was 15. He called me to music, but God took that time, a period from the time I was 21 to the time I was 33 to get me ready to do what he called me to do. And that was to be a pastor and that's a preacher. And that's when we started our first church. So some of you say, well, you know, you delayed obeyed. <laughs> well, right back at you, Jack. But what I, I've had to find the circumstances that God called me to in the right time it called me to. You know, when I said I was going to be a, be a preacher, I said that, and no church would hire me, so I had to go start my own. And even then, they had reservations. Rightfully so. But see, you, you have to obey God. And would you say yes to God before he asks you what you're going to do? When can you say, Jesus, this is my life. You have it all. Whatever you want to do, I'll do. Wherever you want to go, I'll go. Wherever you, you say, I will follow you. Did we just sing that? 
Huh. Were we lying? Here's some thoughts. The uncommon adventure of God is always fostered in a spiritual environment. That you need to be connected in a spiritual environment. That spiritual environment would be called the local church. Now, you could say, well, I've never been to a church that has a spiritual environment. Well, you are in one now. You are in one. Well, this church has a, a spirit of expectation. The, these were led by God. This church in Antioch was led by godly men, prophets, and, and delivering the inspired word from God, and teachers helping understand the teaching from God. These are prophets who were giving the inspired word, and teachers were saying, now what this means is this. And the, the prophets were giving the inspiration, the teachers were giving the instruction, and they were complementary. Some theologians say these two, the prophets and the teachers, were intertwined. Could be the same guy. Paul, obviously, when he wrote, he gave prophetic utterances of divine, of divine inspiration, but then he gave practical application of how to live that divine inspiration out. So it's both and. But these guys were praying, praying. They understood they needed to help the church. They devoted themselves. You see, in Acts 6, 40, uh, 6 4, the apostle said this, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I talk to pastors all the time. In fact, I coach a lot of pastors. I say, guys, the most important thing you do is devote yourself to prayer and the ministry of the word. Ministry of the word. And we get caught up in stuff when we should be caught up in Jesus. And it's kind of like all of us, don't we? We get distracted by stuff when we should be attracted by Jesus. And they gathered, this church gathered with a great air of expectancy. They expected God to move when they gathered. They expected God to move. They were fasting and praying. They expected God to do something. Fasting is a really misunderstood concept in Scripture. Well, actually, an application of Christian life is just misunderstood. Um, but what fasting is, is creating an urgency for God it's not giving up something, but it's focusing on someone. Um, there's kind of a, in the church, there's a tradition of like during the Lenten season, during the 40 days before Easter, people say, well, I'm going to give up something. And it's supposed to be spiritual. And for 40 days, all you can focus on is the stuff you gave up. That's all you can focus on. I gave up Diet Coke, and all I, I could drink a Diet Coke, a 55-gallon drum of Diet Coke right now because I'm focusing on the Diet Coke I gave up instead of the Jesus you're supposed to be focusing on. Or I gave up chocolate. Tara made me give up being grumpy. <laughs> what? Give up grumpy. And all I could focus on, I want to be grumpy so bad, but I got to be the joy of the Lord for 40 days. You know what's really interesting? It's not about what I give up. It's about what I focus on. Like if I were focused on Jesus instead of focused on my feelings, I might have been a blessing to everybody around me instead of a crazy person. I tell everybody, I hadn't had a Diet Coke in 27 days. Well, congratulations. Or I haven't had anything to eat or drink. You probably need a sandwich because Jesus is grumpy with you. It's about what you focus on. And these guys, this wasn't this kind of fasting that we think of. It was a focusing. In other words, what the scripture's saying here, they were so focused on Jesus that their physical requirements didn't matter. 
They were so focused, their physical requirements didn't matter. And they were praying and they were seeking. That's fasting, y'all. When you enter into this season where it's all about Jesus, have you ever been to the place where your soul was so tormented and you were so burdened and you were so hurting, you just needed Jesus and you focused on Jesus and Jesus came and delivered you? That's fasting. That's the stuff that makes a difference in your life. It appears from these choices of words that this gathering was a common thing. It wasn't these, you know, these, these old boys in this group mentioned here just hanging out like in their prophet small group. This probably was a typical gathering of the church, perhaps even a Sunday morning gathering, that they came together and there was such a, a spirit of expectation that God was going to do something. The church had made these gatherings such a priority, an opportunity to experience in God that they didn't want to miss it. It says in Acts, every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept preaching and teaching Jesus as Christ. They assembled together a lot. It wasn't just once a week, come to church on Sunday, check off the box and go to lunch. It wasn't that. It was a devotion. It was a passion. When I worked with pastors in Central Asia, it's very interesting. And I was talking to them about urgency and about their gatherings. They said, listen, pastor, our problem is not getting people to come to gatherings. Our people is to not show up at our houses every day because they find Jesus and they just want to be around us all the time. And I thought, wow, what a good problem to have because in North America, the average Christian attends the gatherings 1.8 times a month. And I know some of y'all are on your point eight today. I can see it in your eyes. You kind of sort of here, but you ain't. You know, about point eight of yours here. That's interesting, isn't it? Do y'all know in the last 15 years, that statistic has shifted from 2.4 to 1.8? And the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling together so we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Do you know what our goal is to gather you together? We want to do a few things. First of all, those of you who don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. Second of all, those of you who are walking with Jesus, we want to inspire you and encourage you to, to get closer to Jesus and to move greater for Jesus. So we preach for life change. It's about gathering together to come to Christ, to come back to Christ, or go further with Christ. That's why we gather. And these guys, this church, they gathered. They expected God to do something. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said to other pastors, preach with expectation that heaven will move. And he will. God will. God will. God often reveals his desire for a congregation or for you personally in the gathering of the saints. Oh. See, we, I believe, we believe at this church you need three intentional gatherings. You need your God time, you need your group time, and you need a gathering time. You need a time with Jesus where you're reading the Bible and you're focusing on Christ and you're praying and you're seeking him in spiritual disciplines. You need a God time. You need a group time, a time when you're gathered with your group, where you're talking about what's going on. Listen to me very carefully. We're following this prophet-teacher model. Prophet, the inspired word of God, teacher in your group time, helping you understand the inspired word of God. That's why we coordinate the preaching on the weekend with the group time during the week. 
That's why we do it. That's why we do that. And then, then we give you God time to read on your own. God, group, and gathering. Mm. Come this fall, we're going to be doing this on a series called This Is Us. And I want everybody in the church to do it together. I want you to have your God time, your group time, and your gathering time that coordinate and you understand who we are. This is us. It's not a program. It's a life. Everything is centered on Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus and how we become more like him. Everything. This church at Antioch was the first of many churches who did the same thing. And we're an extension of that church. You see, the will of God is revealed through the people of God. I love this little phrase, after praying some more. I love that because it kind of like this. They were praying and they were fasting and the, the Holy Spirit said to them, hey, y'all send out Saul and, uh, and Saul and Barnabas. And they went, wait, 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 what? Now, why in the world are we going to send out Saul and Barnabas? Barnabas, he's the best guy like ever. He's the son of encouragement. Why would we send him out? We need him here. We need him around. He needs to be talking to us and encouraging us and praying for us. And like, he is awesome. He is the best guy ever. And Saul, dude can preach. I mean, he's brilliant. He's got the theology. He writes. He's like this, this unbelievable guy. Why would we send him out? So let's pray some more. And then the Holy Spirit affirmed it through the unity and this church had the courage to send out the best and the brightest. Not the leftovers, not the laggards, not the, the, the ones that were a pain, but the ones that were the best and brightest because they knew that the mission of God, get this, was not about them. It wasn't about them. It was about the glory of God. And God sends them The maturity of our congregation can be measured by their willingness to give up what's convenient for God's glory. That should be tweeted, Dan. Just saying. Hmm. It appears that they all agreed and they sent these two out. They responded in faith and they released in faith. Y'all, there's a season coming in this life of this church that we're going to have to respond in faith. I'm not going anywhere, so don't freak out about that, that I know of. I might go to heaven this afternoon. That'd be all right. Then it's all your problems, not mine. But here's the deal. On the 18th of August, we're gathering together to talk about our expansion of our campus, adding a space for our, our kids, fixing that crazy parking lot. Hallelujah adding 90-something more spaces. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then adding a great multi-purpose room for our students and for our gatherings called the Lodge. It's going to require great, great faith. It's going to require courage. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require us to do the... It's gonna, it, that's just nothing. What's going to happen is going to allow us to reach more people. And as we reach more people, maybe the best and brightest from among us are going to be sent out. Maybe God's bringing you guys from San Marcos to bring you in, build you up, train you forward, to send you out. Because that is our process, to bring you in, to build you up, to train you forward, and send you out. Maybe some of you guys 
are supposed to go back to the culture of your origin and plant a church. And we're going to get to be your mama or your daddy. Maybe. See, God doesn't do anything accidentally. Brother Wayne didn't show up here by accident. He showed up here by a divine appointment. And then we started, and it's, it's all, I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you all over here. Maybe some of y'all. That God's moving in you. Could we be a part of a movement that changes eternity for the glory of God? Like the extension of the church in Antioch 2,000 years ago. Notice that process. Bring them in to connect, build them up to grow, train them forward to serve, send them out to share the love of Jesus, to have a life of honor and worship. Bring them in, build them up, train them forward, send them out. Bring them in, build them up, train them forward, send them out. Bring them in, bring, build them up, train them forward, send them out. Rawhide. <laughs> Y'all got it? Yeah. Because they're on a mission from God. We are on a mission from God. Y'all remember the Blues Brothers? Yeah, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When I was down in Victoria, our band opened up uh, one of our gatherings playing uh, Soul Man from uh, the Blues Brothers. Y'all remember that? I'm a soul man. Da-da-da-da-da-da. I'm a soul man. Boom, 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 boom. You got it? Y'all know it, right? So our band opened up with that. One of our senior adults, he was mad as a wet hen. He was mad. He came out and said, I can't believe y'all sang that song. I can't believe you sang that song. I said, what's wrong? He said, they just kept saying they were so mad. I said, no, 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 they were singing, I'm a soul man. You were so mad, they're soul men. Oh. Huh. It's soul man. We're on a mission from God. Not like John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd who were a soul dumpster fire but on a mission with a holy God to do a holy thing for his glory. These two, Saul and Barnabas, were sent out. And so are you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We happen to be at the ends of the earth, y'all. And so you look at this and you say, okay, God's doing this for us. Something that started 2,000 years ago is still relevant today. Yes. Every one of us who've claimed the name of Jesus are on an adventure with God. Every one of us. Well, why did Saul and Barnabas go to Cyprus? Because of relationships. Barnabas was from Cyprus. So he just went home. And it's a great adventure. You can read that as you're reading in Acts. You can read the great adventure. Why else? Because they had a buddy in Cyprus who's the bishop of Cyprus. His name happened to be Lazarus who was raised from the dead. And he was the bishop of Cyprus. And so it's amazing how God sent them back to where they were from. Hmm. You'll, as you read Acts 13, you'll notice something happened with Saul. His name was changed to Paul. Like, what is that about? Now, I've been a pastor for 38 years, and I've never known the answer until this week. I read it. Warren Wearsby told me what the answer was in his commentary. Some people said, well, the Lord changed his name from Saul to Paul because the Lord changes people's names. Well, the only really name change you see in the Bible, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. 
He changed um, Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Peter's name to, uh, from Simon to Peter. But Paul, to Saul to Paul, what's that up about? Because his full name, he was a Roman and a Jew. His full name was Saul Paulus. When he was with the Jews, he went by Saul, his Jewish name. And when he went into the Roman world, he went by his Roman name, which was Paul. He became all things to all people so he might tell them about Christ and let Christ save them. Paul even wrote that in the book of Romans. Excuse me, Corinthians. Oh, his full name was Saul Paulus. God chose the right guy with the theology and the culture to take the gospel to the world. So that means you need to pay attention to where you are and what God's, how he's placed you and why you're here. You're not here to be like a cedar tree soaking up all the juice and killing the oaks. You're supposed to be on a mission from God. And he has placed you in this time and place, in this room, with these people, in this neighborhood, in this school, wherever, to be a missionary, to be a witness, to be on mission from God. And the reason is for King Jesus. It's not for you. It's for King Jesus. And it's all about relationships and all about reaching people and all about providing resources. And it's all about Jesus. Why? Because we're in a raging battle for the hearts, souls, and lives of men and women, boys and girls. This will require our best efforts, our brightest minds, and our whole lives. We are called by God to join him in the depopulation of hell. That's what we're about. And see, God's not willing that any of you should perish, but all of you come to repentance. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's not saying, hey, 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 clean up your act and come, come to me. He's saying, come to me and I'll clean up your act. And he's saying to those of us who've come to him, now go for me. Give them heaven. Let's do this. Let's go. Don't sit, soak, sour, and stink. Live all for Jesus. In the fall of 1991, I heard God's adventure, the call of his adventure to go start a church. So we did. I didn't know what I was doing. It didn't matter. God knew what he was doing. And in Victoria, Texas, we saw a little group of people, 39, grow into a massive congregation that started 40 churches in North America. What? All for Jesus. In the fall of 2006, I felt the call of God to go start another church for college kids in Tallahassee, Florida. We did it. Personally, it was a disaster for the kingdom of God. It was great glory. Last I heard, 59 college kids out of that church are now serving the Lord in some vocational capacity. 2009, Tara and I felt the call of God to go to Canada to revitalize a church. I didn't know what I was doing. God did. 2017, this church lost its mind and called me to be its pastor. Y'all didn't know what y'all were doing, but God did. I don't say these things 
to, to edify me or exalt me. No. On my best days, I'm a dumpster fire. But on God's best days, I join him in depopulating hell. Oh. And the invitation is for you too. Lord, send me anywhere or lay me any burden on my back or sever any tie. Really? Yeah. All for Jesus.